But one of my favorite things to watch are documentaries. I absolutely love documentaries. If I can have fun and I can learn, that's the best of both worlds for me. Man, I'll go all the way to like the documentary about the 1800s. I watched a documentary about the circus, how it started like all the way back in the 1800s. Man, I will go through all sorts of crazy documentaries. I just love them. If you're a documentary fan, go ahead and put some clap hands there in the bottom. Let us know that you're like, yes, I love to learn. And I like to have fun. I love to do those things. And one of my favorite documentaries that Myrna and I get to enjoy together are true crime documentaries. I'm not into all the, the grisly details and I'm not, not into, you know, serial killers and all those things. What I really enjoy and what I really like about them are, is the tenacity that the detectives have to bring justice to the families. I love that the detectives are, are self-focused and say, hey man, we're going to solve this case and we're going to bring justice to the families. We're going to make sure they have some closure with these things. And so Myrna and I love to, to dive into those types of, uh, of documentaries and Dateline specials and, and really just to see you know, the process in which the detectives go through to make sure they can bring justice home to those families. And in most of those cases... If they had only had an eyewitness, somebody that was there that could identify, or maybe even kind of just give a description of what was happening with a person fleeing the scene, you know, the whole thing would have been completely different, would have been changed. You know, there are a few people who are sitting right now serving life sentences or maybe on death row who have been put there on a single eyewitness account. Just one person that saw what they were doing. One person that was able to, to identify them, to describe the clothing that they were wearing. And we've been talking about Jesus' life after the resurrection, what he's been doing, the 40 days that he was out appearing to different people before he would ascend into heaven. And over those 40 days that Jesus was appearing to different people, he appeared to over 500 eyewitnesses. Over 500 people that would say, I've seen Jesus. They were an eyewitness to the greatest miracle of all time. And as Jesus is doing this, you know, as he's appearing to these people, he ends up meeting with the disciples. And he begins to lay out the plan in which he had, he had given them before that. And in John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus begins to lay out what's going to happen to him. Jesus, in, in John chapter 14, is telling them, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to prepare a place for you. I, I, I'm not going to be here much longer. In my father's house, there's a lot of rooms. And the disciples begin to ask questions like, Jesus, where are you going and what's happening here? And you would imagine, man, as the disciples laid down their lives to go follow Jesus. They said, man, I'm, I'm going to give up what's familiar and I'm going to pursue after Jesus. I'm going to go in and I'm going to hang out with Jesus. And it's going to be the time of my life. And as they begin to really bond with Jesus and develop relationship with him, the moment that he begins to, to tell him these things, I, I'm not going to be here for forever. You know, I, I'm actually going to be leaving soon. Man, it really begin to, to cause some insecurity in the disciples. Their emotions begin to rise up. In John chapter 14, verse 26, Jesus begins to talk to them. And he tells them about this thing that's going to happen. This, this, this thing that's going to take his place when he leaves physically from this earth. And in John chapter 14, verse 26, it reads like this. It says, But the advocate, or in the, the KJV, it says, The comforter, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. See, in the Greek, that, that word advocate is parakletos. And if I'm a Hispanic guy, and so I would say parakletos, right? But that's not how you say it in the Greek, man. Put your clap hands in there if you say it like a Hispanic like me, parakletos. That's not how we say it here, though. And that means to be summoned to one's side. 
When Jesus is saying, I'm sending you the advocate. Man, I'm sending you something that can be summoned to your side at a moment's notice. And Jesus understood what the disciples were feeling at this time. Jesus understood that, that, these, that the disciples are reeling from the emotional distraught that, that, from the news that I just gave them. I mean, they're, they're sad. They're feeling these things. And Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to reveal the characteristic of the Holy Spirit that's going to be with you from the moment that I leave and depart from this earth. And he said, I'm going to be your comfort. Man, I'm going to leave for you that thing. And at a moment's notice, he can summon, you can summon it to your side. In a moment's notice, it's there to help you. I mean, Myrna and I, at the beginning of the year, you know, we, we had stretched our faith and we had said, you know, we're going to enter in this, in this business deal for our family. You know, it was a really big leap of faith for us as a family, really kind of scary. And, and we said, you know what, we're, we're going to do this thing. We did all of our research and we did all of our math and we said, this is going to be a good decision for our family. At the end of January, we ended up getting all the contracts ready to go, and, and both parties had agreed on, on what everything looked like. What we didn't account for was this thing called global pandemic. It wasn't even, not, not even an addendum in there, like, hey, in case of, of global catastrophe, in case of this viral outbreak, you know, this, this, and this can happen. And so as this thing begins to take off, and we see more and more restrictions put as the economy is being, being tightened more and more and slowing down, you know, even, even more than what it's been, we begin to, to look at this thing and say, oh my gosh, is this thing going to happen? Was, was, it, was it a smart decision that we made? Well, was it really, did we hear from the Lord on this thing? There was no way we could have ever known that, that, that this thing would happen, this COVID-19 would take off. And we begin to look at it, we begin to pray and say, Lord, look, we're drawing our comfort from you. We're drawing our stability from what's going on with what you tell us. Lord, I'm not looking around me. I'm not saying, Lord, oh my gosh, the market's crashing. Everything's, you know, all in disarray. And oh my gosh, I'm getting so frantic and so nervous. Absolutely not. I mean, Myrna and I are at such peace with this thing. We put it in the Lord's hands and say, Lord, look, Jesus, you've got it all. Lord, Holy Spirit, be my comforter. Come in here and just begin to take this situation. Lord, put me at peace. That's what he's saying to the disciples right here. He says, man, I'm giving you this thing. Man, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I'm leaving this thing for you. I might not be here. I'm not going to be here. He says, I'm leaving you this thing. He says, I don't leave you as orphans. He says, I'm not doing that at all. I'm not going to birth something and and then abandon it and leave it. He says, no, man, I'm leaving you with this Holy Spirit. And as it would go down, as Jesus began to, to reveal bit by bit what the Holy Spirit would look like and what it would be, as Jesus had, had taken the cross and, and he, he had risen from the dead and he's, he's appearing to the people in these 40 days, He appears to the disciples again in Acts chapter 1. And He's having dinner with them and, and He begins to, to lay down the instructions on how to receive the gift that He has been promised, on where they can get it, on how this gift is going to be laid out. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 4, it starts like this. It says, On one occasion, while He was eating with them, He gave them this command. He says, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And the disciples begin to ask Him, after that, I said, Lord, are you going to restore the, the kingdom of Israel? What's going to happen here? Because now they've seen Jesus as he resurrected, as he said he would. 
I mean, it's almost like they've got like the, the most powerful weapon in the world with them. And they're thinking, oh my gosh, with their carnal mind, Lord, you're going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. And he comes back and he addresses this in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, on what this thing is really going to look like, on what the, the Holy Spirit is really going to look like. And he says this right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. See, right here, he says, you will receive power. Many times we get this twisted. I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll get tangled up, but we'll get caught up on a, on a couple of different things. We'll get caught up on the tongues issue. You know, where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is only about tongues. I wasn't in it at all. Or where the baptism of the Holy Spirit is only about, only about prophecy or prophesying. That, that's not it at all. He says, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you. Well, power for what? Man, power to overcome sin. Come on, power to overcome the temptations of this world. Come on, to know the callings and the purposes that the Lord has put on you. To know what He's, what he's asking you to do for, for direction and guidance. He's saying, man, I'm giving you these power. Man, I'm giving you this power. Power to lead others to Him. Come on, power to, over your emotions. I'll be tossed around by those things. And what circumstances you know, would dictate you do. He says, man, I'm giving you that kind of power. He says, that's, that's the gift that I'm giving you. The disciples had seen this modeled out in Jesus all the time. When, when Jesus performed miracles. You know, when Peter walked on, on water, man, that was, a, that was a miracle. I mean, he was operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. That was a fleeting thing that would happen. And Jesus is telling us, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. He tells them, go and wait for this gift that the Father has promised. And we fast forward to Acts chapter 2. We see in Acts chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now we can clearly decipher right here from Scripture that there was no global pandemic when they were currently meeting because they were all meeting together in one place. It didn't say in gatherings less than 10. It doesn't say you have to be six feet apart. We can see that they are gathering in one place under no pandemic rules. No pandemic rules. And it says this right here. It says, Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So did you imagine they're sitting there in the upper room and, and they're all kind of hanging out and they're waiting. And, and it's church. They're having church. It's, it's going on. They're worshiping the Lord. All of a sudden it says that, that there was a, a sound like a blowing wind violently coming through the place, shaking the place up. I mean, could you imagine right where you're at, all of a sudden, it sounds like a freight train is going by, house begins to shake, wind, man, pictures being knocked down, all sorts of crazy things, and all of a sudden there's fire in everybody's heads. And they all begin to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. There was this festival going on called the Festival of Weeks or, or Shavuot. And they were celebrating in this, in this festival. It was the, the celebrating of the wheat harvest and also that God had given them the Torah. And when God had presented Moses with those things. And, and people started going out of the upper room. They, they were leaving and they were going out into the streets. And they were beginning to interact with people. And people would begin to, to talk to them and say, oh my gosh, are you drunk? What is going on here? Are, are, are you drunk? All you people here are talking gibberish. It's crazy. You've got to be inebriated. You've got to be drunk. Come on, if you have that drunk uncle, you know what that's like. And you say, hey, oh my gosh, what is wrong with you? There's something going on here. And Peter begins to address these people. And he begins to speak up. 
as he, as he addresses the, the crowd and the accusations of what's going on. And he begins to, to, to speak up to this. He says, hey guys, we're not, we're not drunk at all. No, man, it's only like 10 in the morning. We're not drunk. And Peter begins to, to lay down what's going on here. He references in Joel. He says, man, remember when it was prophesied? Come on, man, that, 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 your, that your young people will prophesy, that your old men will dream dreams. Come on, both men and female. Begins to lay it all down. He begins to preach to these people. Begins to speak the gospel to them. And it says right here in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. It says, Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It goes down to say about 3,000 were added that day. In the midst of Peter preaching, what, what he's standing up and saying, hey man, look, this is what's going on. This is what's really happening. You need to repent for your sins. And he begins to preach to the people. 3,000 people in that moment were saved, were converted. That's incredible. But when you go back and you look at Peter, and you, and you look at kind of his journey and his story, you take it back to the upper room in, in Matthew chapter 26. About 53 days before this, they're sitting there with Jesus at the Last Supper. And Jesus is talking to him, and he, and he looks over at Peter, and he says, Before the sun goes down, you're going to deny me three times. Man, you, you're, you're going to deny me. Peter says, No way, it ain't happening. He says, Look, even if I have to die, I'm not doing it. I will not disown you. We see later on, as the story goes on, as, as the disciples move there from, from there having the Last Supper, and they go to the Garden of Gethsemane, and the, the guards are coming, and Judas is bringing the guards to Jesus. We see Peter draw his sword and, and take the ear off of the guard. You think, man, maybe, maybe Jesus missed it. Maybe he, he had it wrong about Peter. Look, Peter is, is standing up for Jesus. Oh my gosh, Peter is going to go to jail for Jesus? Just chopped the dude's ear off like crazy. Where did he get the sword? I don't know, but he chopped the dude's ear off. His name was Malchus. Malchus's ear got chopped off, man. Jesus put it back on and said, Peter, it ain't like that. They take Jesus away and and Peter's kind of watching from the outskirts of what's happening. And then they begin to say to Peter, as Jesus gets taken away and processed and, and all of these things, and, and Jesus becoming a very controversial figure. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is being treated like a criminal. And Peter, they ask him, this little girl asks him, he says, do you know this man? He says, no way. No, I don't, I don't know him. And then a little bit later, another little girl says, do you, do you know that man? And he's like, absolutely not. I do not know him. And this is a group of people begin to, to kind of ask him, say, man, you, you were with him. You, you've got an accent like him. We can tell you were with Jesus. And it says that Peter begins to cuss him up and down, berate him and tell him, no, I'm not with him. Blanker, blanker, beep, beep. Just no, not with that man. Not even close. And so you look and you say, what, what changed? What happened? That, that Peter, now 53 days later, is addressing a crowd of people. And, and he's looking at him. He said, you need to repent. You need to be baptized. You need to receive this Holy Spirit. Jesus needs to forgive you for all your sins. What shifted? What changed in that time period? And it was simply this. Is that Peter had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. It changed everything about him. It changed everything about Peter. I mean, it emboldened him. Come on, it was that, that comforter, that advocate that Jesus had said. I mean, Peter had received that power that Jesus had told him that he would receive. And Peter's life was forever changed. Guys, we need to be operating daily in the Holy Spirit. We need to be moving in those things daily with the Holy Spirit. 
Come on, there's three things I want you guys writing down. Three things that we need the Holy Spirit doing in our lives daily. The first one is this right here. Is we need the Holy Spirit guiding us. We need the Holy Spirit guiding us. Come on, we need Him to guide us in what we should do. What we should say. There's moments that you're like, oh my gosh, I just need to bite my tongue right now. Holy Spirit, help me bite my tongue. Let's not say what's really in my head right now. Lord, what do I do? We've all been in those moments where we can escalate. We can de-escalate a situation. I've been in those moments, you know, in quarantine with, with my, my family. I was like, all right, look, I can take this thing to the next level or I can bring this thing down. Holy Spirit, what should I say? Come on, how about this? How we should act. Come on, Holy Spirit needs to be guiding us in how we should be acting, where we should be going. Come on, the Holy Spirit needs to be guiding us on a daily basis. You know, one day my, my dad was out at a, at a car wash. I call it a pay and spray. The kind where you put the coins in there and you just you use the wand and you, you kind of just, you know, blow your truck off or whatever. And so my dad was there at the pay and spray. It was, it was an evening. We had just got back from the dear lease. I had to go to school the next morning. He says, I'm going to go wash the truck off. My dad is very, very uh, particular about how he keeps his trucks. I mean, he wants them clean. He wants them nice. And he doesn't want mud sitting on them for a long period of time at all. So he's like, I'm going to go tonight. I'm going to go spray it off. And he was there out there by himself, and he, he was at this pain spray thing. And all of a sudden, he hears this guy behind him say, hey! My dad turns around. When he turns around to look at this guy, he says he felt the Holy Spirit say, tell him, he said, his name's Philip. And he turned around, and he said this guy was standing there, you know, kind of coming out of the shadows, like standing aggressively at him. He says, hey, Philip! And the guy's countenance changed, like, like it threw him off. My dad said he, he, he changed, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. How, do you know me? He's like, oh my God, Philip, it's good to see you, man. How are you been? Well, how are you doing? And the guy, everything about him began to change and shift. And he's like, well, uh, I was going to come over here and, and, and ask you for this or that. My dad said, hey, man, what, what's going on? What do you need? What can I help you with? Got a call from my dad. And he said, hey, man, I just want to let you know I'm taking Philip home. I was like, who the heck is Philip? <laughs> who is this? We don't know Philip. He's like, I'm taking Philip home. I'll, I'll call you in about 15 minutes to let you know everything's okay. He gets back home. He's like, Jonathan, you won't believe what happened. He said, man, I, I was there. I was at the pain spray. I heard a dude. I felt the Holy Spirit drop something in me. I turned around. It was his name. Come on, believe in that moment. Come on, that man intended harm for my dad. I 100% believe it, that that guy intended to hurt my dad. But let me tell you something, the Holy Spirit, man, he's, he's daily saying, Lord, guide me, Lord Jesus. Holy Spirit, guide me. What do I need to be doing? That in that moment, the Holy Spirit dropped that down in him and spared him in that moment. And not only that, my dad was able to minister to that God. I mean, give him a ride of where he needed it and give him a little bit of hope. Say, hey, bro, this ain't the way you need to be doing things. Come on, man, we don't need to be doing it like this. The second thing we need the Holy Spirit doing in our lives is we need him training and teaching us. Come on, we need him to, to be teaching and training us. You know, what, what do we need to be doing right now? Lord, what, what do I need to be doing? Lord, what do I need to be learning? In this situation, where you've got me right now, in this season of life that I'm at right now, Lord, what do I need to be learning? Holy Spirit, teach me. Train me. Uh, one of my prayers has been during this quarantine thing, how do I become a better minister right now? Under the current circumstances that we have, how can I be a better minister? It, 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 you know, with the internet and Zoom calls and all these things, how can I be better at that? And I've also been praying, Lord, give me wisdom. Holy Spirit, teach me, train me on how I can be a better leader when we get out of this thing and we go back to a new normal. Because the normal that we've known before this whole COVID thing is not going to be the, the normal that we go back to. 
So Lord, how, how, teach me, train me on how I can be a better leader when we go into the new normal. When, when we transition out of this whole quarantine life and we go back, Lord, teach me how to be a new leader, a, a better leader in the new normal. Lord, teach me, train me. Holy Spirit, guide me in these things. Man, I, I, I want to I learn. I want to be better. Come on, every day we need to be asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, train me. Train me to be more like you. Come on, coach me to be, to be more like you. Teach me how to see like you would see. There's moments where I'm like, Lord, I don't see like you see. Not even close. That person's sketchy, man. Lord, I don't want to help that person. No, Lord Jesus, not him. Surely not him. And Lord said, hey, you still got some teaching. You guys still got some training that needs to be done. Come on, we need to be asking daily, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, lead me, train me, teach me on how to be more like you. The third one is this right here. Is the Holy Spirit daily, come on, needs to be empowering us. Every day, we need to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. We see that Peter, Peter, he was a completely different person after he had that encounter with the Holy Spirit. It's completely changed. Way different. A much more bold person. He wasn't scared to shrink back when they asked him, do you know this man? Absolutely, I do. And let me tell you everything that he did for me and how he can change your life too. Well, before it was like, no, I don't know who that guy is. Not even close. See, Peter, when he was with Jesus, man, everything about him was dependent on who he was around at the time. When he was around Jesus, it was all about that. But the moment that Jesus became a controversial figure, the moment that Jesus was removed from his midst, he said, no, absolutely, I'm distancing myself from him. How many of us, it's easy to serve Jesus when we're in our small group. It's easy to serve Jesus when we're at church. Man, right now it's where it's tough. Right now it's where it's hard. When we're not able to have that physical relationship day in and day out. And these are the moments where we say, Holy Spirit, you need to be empowering us. I'll never forget. I grew up a, a Baptist kid when I got the Holy Spirit. Never forget that. I grew up in the, in the Baptist church. And we really didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We believed that there was a Holy Spirit, part of the Trinity, all of us. But we really didn't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Well, we thought it was only about tongues. And we're like, nah, that's kind of crazy. We don't, want to be, we don't want to do that. And I'll never forget, growing up in the Baptist church, my 18th birthday, I was, I was going to turn 18 in February. And I was like, you know what, man, my parents cannot make me go to church any longer. Can't do it. And I was going to say, I was going to tell my dad, I have a man-to-man -man conversation with him. Say, Dad, you cannot make me go to church anymore. I don't want to go. Ended up getting in, in, into a fight with some people and I uh, wasn't able to go to my, my, my normal church on Wednesday nights, my normal youth group. I had a friend that, that had been inviting me to go to his church. He said, bro, you need to come to my church. Come hang out with us. We need a bass player. And I, and I played bass at the time. And, and I said, all right, great. I'll, I'll go and I'll fill in for you this Wednesday. When I walked in, man, everything that I had prayed for, everything that I, that I had thought that, that the church could be. See, I grew up in the church. I, I had a genuine love for Jesus. I wanted to serve God. I wanted to please God. But I didn't necessarily see what I read in the Bible lived out. I, I didn't see those things. It seemed like it was just kind of dead religion. Like it was just some rules that I had to follow and they were really difficult for me to follow. So I was like, so obviously there's something wrong with me or there's something wrong with this, but something's not adding up. And I walked in that night and I saw people worshiping like I'd never seen before. I saw people engaging in worship and I, I was like, oh my gosh, people actually worship passionately. And I heard the word presented in a way that I'd never heard before. So life-giving to me. I was like, wow, this is, what, this is what I have been praying for. This is what I have been looking for. And that youth group was, was pastored by none other than our senior pastor, Pastor Adam McCain. 
From that moment on, I said, this is what I got to be a part of. I joined into a small group, and my small group leader had one heck of a time with me. It was crazy. I mean, he had some tenacity. He was not giving up on me, and I gave him all sorts of trouble. I gave him all sorts of problems, but he didn't quit on me. He didn't give up on me. And as I stayed into a small group, I began to notice it and see that, that everybody else seems to like really you know, have it kind of together a little bit. Like, like they, they didn't seem to be hiding things like I was. You know, they didn't seem to be, to be distracted by things that I was distracted by. I felt like I had to be two different people. When I was with my church friends, I, I had to act a certain way. And then I was with my non-church friends, I, I had to act another way. And it seemed to be, to be like that for me and, and not for anybody else. And as I began to go and, and I began to uh, just kind of, you know, hang out with these people and really begin to do life with them, begin to see that, that there was something not wrong with them, but something wrong with me. There seemed to be something that I lacked. There seemed to be something that I was missing. And I just began to hang out more and more with them. It, it, it became more and more apparent that they had something that I didn't. That they were tapped into something that, that I didn't have. I remember coming home late one night from something, and, and it was probably something I shouldn't have been at. I remember driving home late at night, and, uh, and I just felt in my, in my spirit, I just needed worship music. Just play, play some worship music. And come on, for the early 2000s, people, you know what it was like. You had your, your big CD wallet organized in alphabetical order with your album artwork all in there. And I began to, to, to flip through my CD case. And at the very back of, of my CD case, I had this one worship CD. It was WOW 99. And I don't, I don't know why I had it in there, uh, but, uh, but it, was, it was in the back. I don't know if it was because, you know, I got in a car wreck or something. I could put that on as I was burning to death or whatever. But if you have, like, if you listen to WOW 99 or you had any of the WOW CDs, go ahead and give me some clap hands, a little bit of music notes down in there. Come on, man. WOW albums for worship. Changed my life. But out of the whole album, only like two songs. Only like uh, Agnes Day and this is my daily breath. These are the only songs I liked. And, uh, and so I was listening to those things on repeat. And I'm driving and, and I finally, I get it loaded in there and it's playing and, and, and I'm driving. I'm kind of driving aimlessly. I really don't know. I just, I just am, am just kind of, you know, getting to cry in, in my truck and just be kind of weep and say, Lord, look, I don't know what you're doing, but you're obviously doing something. I'm so confused. Like, I, Lord... I, I, I don't know. And I called my, my small group leader. I called him and I said, hey, bro, look, can I come over? It's about one in the morning. He said, absolutely, dude, just, just come on by. I mean, this is single people life. We're not married. We ain't nothing. Just, yeah, come on by, dude. Come hang out. So I swing by his house and I get there and we, we just begin to talk a little bit. And, uh, and he said, what's going on, bro? I said, man, I don't know. I said, I, I don't know, man. I, I just felt like I needed to come by here. And uh, I needed some worship music, so I was putting on my WOW 99 CD. I really don't like it all that much. I only like two songs on it. And uh, he said, man, we'll, we'll get you some worship music. He said, do you need prayer for anything? And I said, I don't know. I said, I really don't know. I said, I, I feel like, like I'm doing my best to serve God. Like I'm, do I'm really doing my best. But there's these things that still keep creeping up on me. There's these things that I really can't get over. I mean, the moment someone sends me a text, man, it, it can derail me from whatever I'm doing. You know, if it's like, hey, this is going on. Let's go. Absolutely. I'm there. And I said, I, I really don't feel like, like I, I really want to serve God. But I also had this draw to the, the things that I used to be involved in. He said, bro, it sounds like you need the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I said, look, man, I, I, I'll, I'll do whatever, man. I'll, I'll lay hands on me. Whatever, man. Yes, absolutely. If you think that's what I need then I'll, I'll do that. Absolutely. He said, all right, lift your hands. I won't pray for you. So we're standing there in, in his little apartment, lays his hands on me, begins to, to, to pray over me. I'll receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. 
And he gets done praying. He's like, bro, do you feel anything? I said, no, I don't feel anything. He says, you don't feel anything? He said, no. He's like, we won't pray again? I was like, no, not really. I don't want to pray again. He says, uh, okay. Well, then I said, I think you're broken. There's something wrong with you. If you can't give me the Holy Spirit, then there's something wrong with you. He's like, no, I think you're the broken one. And I was like, we'll just leave it as, uh, as we'll just agree to disagree. And, uh, and like good uh, early 2000s kids, we ended up burning a worship CD off Napster. And so, uh, so we illegally pirated uh, worship music for me to begin to start my journey really with Jesus. And if you ever burn anything off Napster or got any viruses on LimeWire to your parents' computers, go put some clap hands down there in the bottom and just go ahead and write your parents an email and say sorry for ruining the family computer for downloading a bunch of uh, illegal music there on, on LimeWire and wrecking the computer. We did it a number of times. And so uh, thank God my dad was in the IT industry, and so we would just wipe it clean and start over. But uh, but I lost all my music multiple times. And as I got that CD, I left there. I, I would take that CD from the truck to my room, from from wherever I was going, and I listened to that thing on repeat. It was always with me, and I just began to, to really cherish that thing. In times of worship in my truck, I'd get somewhere early just to sit and listen to worship music, just to sit and, and have an opportunity to be alone with God. Now, I'll never forget the, the, the afternoon where I had taken that thing into, into, my, into my room. It's playing as I'm, as I'm just kind of cleaning up. And I got my room clean and my door was closed. And I was just sitting there and I was, I was just thinking. I was like, Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice for me. Lord, I'm so thankful, Lord Jesus, that, that you didn't quit on me, that you didn't give up on me. Lord, I'm so thankful. Lord, if you do nothing else for me, your sacrifice on the cross is enough. That my soul is secure in heaven with you. That my eternity can be with you forever. You don't bless me. You don't do anything else. The fact that you gave your son on the cross for me and I can believe in him and be in eternity with you forever. Lord, that's enough. And I'm sitting there on the, the floor of my room. And as I'm, I'm crying out to God, just telling him, thank you so much. It felt like, uh, like the words weren't enough. Like, like thank you. I had said it so many other places that I had cheapened it almost. And I, I felt bad even saying that thank you to him. Like there, there was something more that I needed to say. And I just was sitting there in my room all by myself. There was no laying hands on me. There's no piano music playing. There's no awesome lights and smoke machines going. It was just me in my room and an illegally pirated worship CD. That thing's playing. And I just began to feel this rush of emotion come over me. And I, I just began to, just to weep and to cry. And out of my spirit, I never felt anything like this before, but out of my spirit began to bubble these syllables that, that, that didn't make any sense to me. But immediately when I prayed those things out, man, I felt a direct connection. It felt like everything that I had been trying to say to God began to come out of me. Everything that I had been trying to express, how thankful I was and, and, and the journey that I had been on and thankful for, for my pastors and my small group leaders and, and all the people that had invested in me. It felt like all of a sudden there was a release for that. And I was able to communicate to the Father in a more direct way. I'll tell you, that moment, that moment shifted everything for me. That moment changed everything. Like Peter, as we saw before that, everything began to change for me. All of a sudden I had, had more control over my life. The sin issues that began to nag at me and pull at me before, I seemed to have their claws uh, deep in me didn't matter anymore. The struggles that I had had, sure, I struggled, but those things did not have power over me. They didn't dictate me. My emotions weren't thrown from here to there. Therefore, me being thrown from here to there, I had power over those things. I had purpose in my life. As I, as I began to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit, and I began to see when Jesus said, you will receive power. 
as I began to experience that for myself. 